Today's episode of Down to Dunk is brought to you by Central Bank. Strong roots, endless possibilities isn't just a statement. It is Central Bank's past and future. It is their successes and challenges. It is more than 110 years of service that spans across 140 plus locations. Strong roots, endless possibilities. That means that they're here for you. Learn more at centralbank.net, member FDIC. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, McKelly Barrett. McKelly, what's up? Hey, it's been... It's weird to, to talk on Tuesday morning. But, I know. Um, uh, I missed you yesterday very much. <laughs> I missed it too. Uh, I was out of town. Uh, it was my wife and I's birthday, so we got out of town for a little bit just to uh, a, wow. ca- a cabin in southeast Oklahoma. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. <laughs> but we got to take our kids there. Um, an extremely isolated place to be, so not mm-hmm. a crowded place, but uh, fun to, to get out uh, in the woods and in nature. So it's, it's good, definitely good for for my for my kids to do that so it's very fun uh another fun thing the thunder opened up their practice facility yesterday so they've it's it was kind of interesting because honestly with the with the way that covid has has been in oklahoma you would have really thought that oklahoma would have been one of the first just because we haven't Mm -hmm. been hit as hard Uh, but the thunder being have been extremely careful and they released a statement saying that they're not taking tests from the public to make this happen. These are all, you know, private, privately funded tests, uh, and so uh, it's you know it's the first step in the right direction to bring basketball back for Oklahoma City Thunder. So I don't know who's back. I don't know who's going to the facility, but they're following the guidelines. I'm sure they are strictly following those guidelines, and we're we're within that like three weeks within three weeks now of knowing a decision from the NBA. So uh, it's, 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 I'm hopeful. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to say I know for sure that basketball is coming back, but signs continue to point to that. And I remain hopeful that we will at some point get there. Yeah. And you can see like from the entire, um, world and the entire way in which the epidemic is evolving that there is hope there is hope and there is a timid optimism i would say uh to be back to normal i mean in in italy we we reopen everything basically and you can even see friends now that was forbidden for the last two months so we are trying to reopen as a community and i think basketball is doing the right thing no rushing into it and especially when you have the president of the player association 
I think that they want to do right by the players because it's really important to do that. And we we know, I mean, I, I know it even if I don't live in Oklahoma, that the Thunder are very connected with the community, very responsible towards the community. And so I think that what they are trying to do is doing everything, putting players and the community uh, in the spot they deserve. And so I, I, I expect that. From, from a team like like the Thunder, and it's um, I think it's good. I mean, I I read that they will reopen as a the practice, and they will allow one on one basically uh, a session, one trainer and one player. And so I think I think this is the right path. And there's no way to know uh, how the epidemic will evolve in in just two weeks because like like. Uh, I don't want to, to go too much into numbers and blah, blah, blah. But here in Italy, over the last two weeks, it changed a lot. And so um, I hope that this is the case also in the U.S. and especially in Oklahoma and, uh, and that everything can go back, well, not to normal, but to a, to a better version of, uh, of today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is certainly the hope. And we'll, uh, we'll just keep you guys updated as we know more information. I'm sure you'll know it before it's on our podcast, but um, we'll continue to be here uh, as news comes out. Uh, another bit of news that could greatly impact the Thunder indirectly, I guess actually directly, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich broke his wrist and had to have surgery, mm-hmm. and the Jazz has said that he won't play this season, which is interesting for many reasons. One, if you didn't think there would be a season, one, you probably wouldn't announce this and you know yeah. give that info to Woj. Uh, so that makes me think that the Jazz think that they're going to play. And two, yeah. this would be the Thunder's opponent in round one if they don't play any more games. And we don't know yet if they're going to play any more games. The, the Sam Amick of the athletic reported that the league would lose $900 million in TV, just in TV revenue alone if they don't resume and play the playoffs. So yeah. there's 900 million reasons why they're probably going to play. Uh, but Bogdanovich is, is a big time player for the jazz. I mean, he's, He's their second leading scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. 20 points per game, four boards, two assists. Shoots 41% from three on seven attempts. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's a huge deal to lose this guy. And then their next leading scorer behind them is Jordan Clarkson. Mm-hmm. So, Which I don't know if – I don't think that they will – start him because they like him going off the bench so mm-hmm. this probably means that they will start with a unit with Conley, uh mitchell ingles mm-hmm. uh royce o'neill and, and and rudy gobert which yep. which is a good unit especially on defense but the spacing that bogdanovich provides you i, I know that royce o'neill is a very good three-point shooter and so is ingles but when you have a guy that, that that takes seven trees a game and makes forty percent of them, it's it's totally different thing. I don't see, and maybe uh, this is turn out to be this will turn out to be wrong, uh, but a guy like Royce O'Neal or uh, Ingles to average seven or eight trees per game in a in a playoff series. Um, again, maybe they will step up and maybe they will do it, but 
not having a shooter like that surely uh, makes the spacing of Utah really different. Mm-hmm. There's no question. And when you have he and Ingles, I mean, that's, those are two huge weapons that you have to guard. I mean, it's yeah. it would be like the Thunder losing Danilo Gallinari is what it would is probably equivalent to. Uh, yeah, or one blow. of the guards. Uh, like, you probably have the players to step up. Uh, in Gallinari, if you lose Gallinari, you really lose a player that you don't know how to replace in, a, in OKC. If you lose a guy like Schroeder, for example, mm-hmm. you probably know how to make up for his minutes in terms of the personnel. You probably play Ferguson a little bit more. You play Shea more as a second unit point guard. Like, you know uh, what to do. In the same way, Utah will probably play Royce O'Neal more and they will probably play uh, Ingles more. They they have the personnel to, to, to make up for it. It's just a different player. And, and Bogdanovich is not just a shooter. He's a guy that can put the ball on the deck. He can dribble. He can do multiple stuff. Um, again, uh, O'Neal is a different player. It provides you with a lot, a lot better um, level defensively, but in terms of his offensive, um, I mean, he, he is a again, he's a good shooter, but it's not as dangerous offensively as his Bogdanovich. And so, probably, uh, if you tell me that Gallo will start on him, I say, well, okay, this is a good good matchup for Allo, for Gallo, not because O'Neill is a bad player, uh, but because it's easier to guard for a guy like Gallo. He has to stay, I don't know four or five feet from him and just close out when when he when he has the ball and it's totally different with Bogdanovich you have to be afraid of his dribbling you have to be afraid of him using uh, a screen I don't see O'Neal being the same player so it will be interesting to see how Utah adapts to this mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it definitely affects the matchup and I already felt pretty decent about the Thunder's odds in that series mm-hmm. but you have to feel a little bit better. And I don't, I'd have to, one, I'd have to wait for the announcement <laughs> that that's what's going to happen. And then two, I'd have to really take a good look at everything uh, yeah. to see how I feel about the series itself. But just on the yeah, surface, we don't know how this player good. will look like. Like who is out of shape, who is in shape, who is oh. better, who is worse. Yep. I mean, there's there are tons, sorry for interrupting, no. there are tons of variables that we, we really don't know. I mean, probably no one knows, not even the coaches. I mean, you have to see guys on the floor and guys on the floor together. Maybe Baisley improved dramatically in the last three months. We don't know. Like it's, it's also the beauty of, well, beauty. Uh, a silver lining of this, of this season is that now everything is basically back, back to square one. And for the Thunder, this might not be the best because at the beginning, the Thunder were, were not as good as at the end of the season. But I don't know. It seems that the odds are are basically back to, to the beginning of the season, maybe even a little bit more squared. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's right. And we, we don't know how that affects anybody. And we don't know how it'll it will affect the Jazz. I mean, they're they're definitely not back to square one because they are in this place where Donovan Mitchell has not said a word about all of this drama that's gone on. Gobert's come yeah. forward saying, "Yeah, we've talked. We're making it better." He's trying to smooth everything over and letting the media know that he smoothed everything over. Still, Donovan, nothing, crickets. So that that's a big deal. If those yeah. two don't have the right chemistry, then 
they don't have a chance of winning a playoff series. I mean, those two have to be on the same page, especially after losing Bogdanovich. I mean, you can have guys that are kind of, you know, at odds, but if you've got a tremendous amount of talent around them, then yeah, you can still push forward. But you lose a 20-point score, and your two best players are not on the same page. Uh, that's a big deal. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want to treat that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get your treatment that you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime that you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So if you've struggled with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Today's podcast is going to be about the top five best draft picks in the Sam Presti era. I think clearly there are three of these that are the best picks and it's not debatable right at least should belong in the top five and then there's a couple fringy ones i I concur i concur to this already i mean i had to do i know we have to 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 put like um rules for this because do you have we have to define what a good pick is Mm -hmm. is a is an obvious pick a good one uh it's it's not it doesn't make it like a great pick but still okay. you, you still have to do it you know you can still yeah yeah you can still choose Mar- Marvin Bagley above Luka Doncic exactly yes. you can still do it you can still take DeAndre Ayton you can still you can still do it so i mean you can still take Anthony Bennett you can still do it you have to make yeah but that pick. that is that that was no clear cut i mean we're talking, well, we will discuss KD whenever um, mm-hmm. we arrive uh, at him in, in, in our order. But I feel like that pick was sensed. I mean, yeah. and it, it was not really dependent on, on, on Presti. I mean, I'm pretty confident because at the time I was following the draft especially and I was involved with the professional basketball here and the coach was really involved with the draft process. And, I mean, we all knew. I mean, whoever picks first, choose the other one, will take the other. There was no really any other name that could get into the top two. So mm-hmm. I wonder how how valuable that pick. It, it turned out to be extremely valuable for OKC, but I wonder how much this is on Presti or just on the fact that they tanked the season before and it's and and they got the number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, let's uh, let's go with let's start with number one, and then we'll go backwards. Oh, so the best pick, the best pick by the Thunder. Oh, I think that 
I think there is no doubt what the best pick is, and it's Russell Westbrook for me. Yeah, because he he was not a guy that many mock draft had in the top five. Um, he was a, a reach made by Presti. There were players that made a ton of sense and had all star career picked after him, and and yet Presti reached and and took Westbrook. And he he drafted an Hall of Famer with the number four pick, which is pretty rare, uh, not unique, of course, but rare. And, and this pick has everything basically: has good scouting, has reaching for the guy that you want, uh, and, and it has the value because this pick had tremendous value for OKC. Like we're talking, like season of like ten and, and more season of production plus peak return at the end of the career. This is just insane value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no question. And he's a guy that if you go back and look at the draft, he would go number one. And it's pretty much a no-brainer. Over Derrick Rose, over Kevin Love, and those are the only other two guys. Oh, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, And uh, and Goran Dragic. Those are the only guys that have made All-NBA from this draft. And Westbrook also won the MVP. I mean, he's had a longer career than Derrick Rose, at least one that has a longer prime than Derrick Rose. Uh, it's it's a no-brainer. And the Thunder were rumored to want Brooke Lopez at that draft. And it wouldn't yeah. have been crazy to select Brooke Lopez at that spot. I think everybody thought it was strange to take Westbrook at that spot. I think people were expecting Kevin Love. And even at the time, it was weird that Westbrook was selected before Kevin Love, because uh, he was he was the the bigger prospect. He was a guy that had more pedigree going into college. Everybody thought that yeah. that was the guy, and the same, and that's how basically this draft ended up with Beasley and OJ Mayo going two and three. Is that everybody knew who both of those guys were when they were in high school? Even O.J. Mayo, like in middle school, that was yeah. the guy. This was supposed to, this is, he had as much hype as a guy like LeBron did coming in. And everybody thought this was going to be the guy. And then he had an underwhelming season at, at um, USC. And people thought, okay, yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't what we had hoped it would be. But still, like, this is O.J. Mayo. Come on. And then he ends up going three because of that. And then has a very mediocre NBA career. Yeah. Um, Filled with issues and of course stuff. And and, I mean, he had the whole package. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying. I mean, what do you expect to pick number four is something between a good starter and a one, two, three times all-star, something Mm -hmm. like that. And you get an all-famer. This is a home mark. Uh, it's really a home run. I tried to make like um, to find the rating of a big value. I end up using the Goldstein one. Uh, I found it on the internet. I don't know where. And I tried to to make like a mathematical sort of model um, to assess the value. And and yeah, this is what what, what this says. I mean, at the number four, you don't expect to draft an old famer. If you do, you you really uh, overachieved in that draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in the top two probably that you have the best odds of drafting a hall of famer right yeah 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 
Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's tough. The draft is tough, and this Westbrook pick was yeah. uh it was head and shoulders above the rest to me. Uh, number two, who's your number two? Um, number two is again from the 2008 draft for me uh, because I have Serge Ibaka there. Oh man, that's I mean, who I have too. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was hoping it would be different. I was hoping that you would pick somebody else, but that's yeah, that's you that's have Ibaka too as well. Yeah, I do. We are so boring. I know. Like why? Why <laughs> are we boring. so boring? <laughs> but it's but it's if you if you look at the at, at the value that Ibaka had, like just playing wise. Like you draft a guy at 24. What you expect there is a rotation guy. Any sort of rotation guy is a good pick. Like if it's a maybe not a fringe rotation, but like a good rotation. Like, like Doug McDermott at 24, fine. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Lamb, 24, fine. Um, Darrell Arthur a guy like, at 24, fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, those are those are the expected value. If you do that, you basically did nothing. It's a is a um, and that's zero. Uh, but if you draft a guy that probably in the East is a one, two, three times All Star, maybe um, he was three times All Defensive NBA, um, was a huge part of what OKC did um, in the in the last ten years. I mean, and, and on the top of that, when his second contract is up, you are able to trade him for another first round pick a guy that will become an all-star in two years and it basically give you paul george Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is i know that that nothing was written when Preston made the draft pick but this is the value that okc got from sergi baka and like this value for number 24 it's it's completely insane and so i mean maybe I mean, luck is part of the process, but but that evaluation, the fit um, with with Durant and Westbrook was clear, and so to me, there's no there's no question. I mean, the other guys, better players. I mean, KD better player, Harden better player, uh, Adams probably in the same level, but the value, like the difference between the the spots where Ibaka was drafted and the others, is what makes this pick extremely special and i think crucial for everything that okc did going forward yeah there's your future at 24 that's the future of the franchise right there you didn't know it when you selected him but without surge you don't have shea you don't have all these picks you don't have danilo mm-hmm. gallinari you don't have any of those guys without Surge. Yeah. i mean if they just took dante green out of Syracuse. You're done. The dude's out of the league. You take J.R. Giddens, who had, you know, tons of potential. You're toast. You take Nikola Pekovic, which would have been great for a few years. But now he's out of the league. He's here and gone. And then you don't have that future. I mean, it's it's so crazy that the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder rested on the shoulders of pick 24 in 2008. I mean, it is, it is wild, but that's, I mean, that's why Presti is very adamant about, no, we're not giving up picks. We're not doing that. We're not giving up picks in any of these trades. We're not doing that. We're not giving up picks to get rid of Chris Paul because you just don't know 
what these opportunities will lead to. And the Westbrook pick was obviously the more important pick, uh, but the 24th pick led to a bigger return ultimately than what Westbrook brought you in a trade at the end of their, toward the end of their careers, which is a, just feels just so crazy. And a lot of that is on, you know, Presti and the opportunity and the leverage that he had. And, you know, all of those things factor in certainly because I mean, you trade Westbrook three years before who knows what you get. Uh, Exactly. But the value that they got keeping him was also great as well. So, uh, I agree, Serge Ibaka. And I, I don't think you'd consider him at number one, but I at least thought about it for like two seconds just be, just because of the value that you got there. Oh, if, if I just have to take the value without any like numerical correction and I gave Westbrook, Harden, KD, and KD a bump because they are all famers, Ibaka is by far the most valuable pick, not including the return that OKC got. Just for the sake of having a borderline all-star pick at 24. Mm-hmm. This, this exceeds your draft odds by a, a huge margin. Uh, but yeah, if you include the return, I mean, there's no, there's a huge, I mean, Ibaka's case is huge. Uh, the point of Westbrook is, I mean, it was not an obvious pick. At 24, you, you just basically, you're almost blind. You pick and you hope. Mm-hmm. With Westbrook, you have the number four pick. If you miss, you screw up big time, like really big time. And so, I mean, if, but if you nail it, I mean, you're a genius. And I think that to see like Westbrook, this Westbrook in, in the player coming off UCLA, it's 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 good stuff. It's impressive. I mean, it's, it's why Presti is one of the best GM in the league, I think. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all with any of that. Uh, number three, who do you have at three? Uh, this this is not going to be good, but I have James Harden at yeah. number three because of the this was just purely numerical. With number two, you have much better odds to to pick um, an Hall of Famer. And in the 2007 draft, you just have two players, and Porton already choose the best one uh, or the the, the most committed player so you stick with Durant and there's nothing you need to do with Harden the pick was not that obvious there were many good players in the 2009 draft uh, some going before him Blake Griffin for example and some going after him and so I think that there like Presley had a lot of options and choose one and drafted an all-famer again I mean to me that is is again it's the it's how your eyes works. It's how you manage your 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 team, your scouting team. It's it's insane. The fact that, that among all those players, Presti ended up choosing Harden, who is probably if if you look at the draft history for OKC, it's one of those players where where one of those time when Presti choose talent over athleticism, over uh, raw athletic ability, and it turned out to be a great pick. I mean, again, the value between Harden and Durant in terms and Durant in terms of players, it's it's totally different. I mean, Durant is a better player, but that pick to me was easy to do. Harden pick not as easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's who I have at this spot as well. <laughs> that's that's bad podcasting. Can you can you at least pretend to have I don't know 
I Andre Robertson. I thought about faking it. I honestly did while you while you were talking. I was like, should I fake this one? Should I just like do this for debate for just simulated debate? But I wouldn't. My heart wouldn't be in it. So no, this is this is where Harden should go. And I my only reasoning for maybe bumping it back is that. And when you look at all these drafts, I I would say consider would you have taken a player ahead of them is there a player you would have taken ahead of these guys yeah and i think you take steph if you get if you get to do it all over again there are many reasons why you take steph and i think question that's the reason that's question right there Uh uh-huh don't evaluate steph as like don't take a hard and leaving as an evaluation for now would you pick Steph anyway. Uh, yeah. Don't don't assume anything about Harden leaving. Just think about how great the fit on the court was with Harden, KD, and Westbrook. Suppose that Harden says, "Yeah, let's stick let's stick together for ten years." I mean, the fit with Harden was insanely good. In okay, see, I, I mean, they, they were great. Yeah, they were obviously very a very good team that made the NBA Finals. I still I think Steph would be a better fit. Oh, hmm. okay. Because he can spot up at half court. I mean, you yeah. have you have Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook. I mean, you have basically Russell Westbrook driving the lane with as much space as anybody in the league because on the wing is a seven-foot gunner from three and the best shooter to ever play the game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, Russ gets right to the to rim me, every time. Yeah. And yeah, and if I mean, not, then Steph, he's got a bullet pass out to a guy that's going to make it, you know, 40 plus percent. And he may, I mean, Westbrook to me would probably increase the percentage of both those guys. If you had both those guys on the wing, I mean, Westbrook increased, I mean, Steph Curry might shoot 45% from three if Westbrook is in the game with him. I mean, honestly, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I like, I like Curry way more than Harden as a player. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I at least try to make it a discussion just yeah. for the sake of arguing <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then ultimately, what they became. Yeah. I mean, Katie went to play with Curry because yeah. because of the player that he is. That's a huge. It was a huge. No, part he went of to play decision. with Draymond. That yeah. is the real truth. A guy that OKC could have picked. Yeah, but yeah, that's another story. Yeah. Um, who do you have at four? This this is where it got a little difficult because you wonder where to slot Durant because he has to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to be in the top five, right? I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be. Yes. Um, but it was so impactful to the franchise that you think that you at least want to have him in the top five just because it obviously an extremely important pick for this team. But I don't think I'd have him there just because I, like we discussed at the beginning, it's not, it was the, it was the no brainer of no brainers. I mean, it was, it was the all time no brainer pick. If you did something else, you would probably lose your job. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, somebody has a gun to your head, basically. I'm gonna go with another pick at 24. 
I'm going to go with Reggie Jackson as the fourth best pick. Sorry, I I vomited (laughs) for a second. Yeah, okay. Uh, I just think that 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 was not a no-brainer selection there. You're in the 20s. And there are guys that went, you know, after him that are that are better. Jimmy Butler, obviously better at thirty. Bogdanovich, thirty-one, better. Kyle Singler at thirty-three. I mean, you could have had Singler for his entire career. You could have signed him for the whole thing. Could have had him the whole time. Uh, but I think the Reggie Jackson pick was good because after him, you got like Marshawn Brooks, who I know Taylor loves, uh, but Jordan Hamilton. Um, Juwan Johnson, Norris Cole, Corey Joseph, who are like, yeah, Reggie was very good for the Thunder. Uh, yeah. Helped win them a playoff series in Memphis. And I know that he was just a big, big dummy at the end of his tenure with the Thunder. But he did end up netting them in his canter, who helped them win playoff series in 2016. Uh, and so, you know, that's, t- to me, it's, it's one of his better picks just because the value in the 20, it's just so hard picking in the twenties. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you seriously, you have Jawan Johnson and Reggie Jackson going a few picks apart. Does anybody know who Jawan Johnson is? Probably not guys. Nope. Probably not because that guy was picked in the twenties and he's out of the league. I mean, that is yeah. typically what happens to these guys. Uh, this, this draft in particular was actually pretty decent in the twenties. You had uh, uh, Monte Yunus going 20, Nolan Smith 21, who ended up not panning out. But I, Nolan Smith, pretty pretty interesting, was one one of the guys that grew up with Kevin Durant playing on Kevin's rec league. Um, uh, Kevin Fareed, 22, Miritich, mm-hmm. 23, and then Reggie, 24. So pretty, pretty stacked in the 20s there. Yeah. But I still, I mean, the Thunder identified Reggie early. And they promised him, and he basically pulled out from all workouts and did not release his medicals to anybody and made it really sketchy for teams and ended up going to the Thunder and playing really well for them and becoming, you know, basically the fifth starter in that, uh, was it 2014 playoff run? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I I think to me that's probably the fourth best if we're talking about the work you have to put in, you know, the choices that you have to make. I mean, at 24, like you you just have tons of guys on the board, and to identify a guy that ends up becoming an NBA starter, not a great, obviously not a great starter with Detroit, and now he's a backup in in uh, in LA, but still to identify a starter in the 20s. Uh, is very, very, very difficult. Reggie is seventh on on my list. Uh, I realize what you say, but I don't know. I have better players, I think, uh, before him. And there is one who probably you will say that I cheated, but there is an all-star picked at number 11. And when you pick an all-star at number 11 and you trade for him, so you clearly want to draft him. And we know, because we are kind of sourced on that, that the guy, uh, I mean, if the right trade goes off, the guy was is picked at nine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Sabonis. Yeah. I think that Sabonis is entirely pressed this draft. 
uh, it's not clearly Orlando. It's a guy that Orlando draft just because there was a trade to be made yeah. to be made with OKC. And I know that the value that Sabonis provided for OKC was not on the court, but he was a huge part of of the um, Paul George trade. Probably the best part. I mean, Oladipo now is probably the better player, but I'm positive that at least 50% of that trade is, is Domantas Sabonis. Mm-hmm. And, and drafting a player like that, again, an all-star, um, probably not in the West, but drafting him at 11, it's it's huge. And again, Presti wanted him so badly uh, that they tried to, to trade for him even before number 11. So they really wanted him uh, and, and he's a great player. So the difference between the expected value and, and his value is even wider than than Durant's or or Harden because again um, all star at the end of the rookie contract so it's it's pretty big value for a guy picked at um, eleven I am not, not sure he if he's a like a ten time all star but surely two three times seems possible for Thomas yeah. and, and probably it's also me being biased and loving that player a lot and so i wanted to give him the spotlight yeah i i i don't hate that uh that idea i he was he's been awesome obviously for the pacers i uh, didn't give a ton of value for okc in anything but the trade market mm-hmm. uh, but obviously an incredible player that presti was obsessed with <laughs> to the point yeah exactly uh, it it wasn't just Orlando, like you said. Like there were other trades out there that yeah. he was trying to finesse, just so he could get Domas. Yeah, uh, and he got him, and he's a great player. And there are probably other alternate Thunder timelines where Domas is here, and Adams is somewhere else, or you know, there's, exactly. there's a lot of different scenarios that could have happened where Domas remains on the Thunder, but. Uh, unfortunately, he is he is not anymore. But yeah, I it's it's a great selection, and it's it's hard because I mean he made the trade in the draft on draft day. So I guess yeah, I mean you you have to just clearly say like this was Presti's pick. I mean he didn't yeah he didn't say like I need Oladipo, and if you'll throw in the eleventh pick, whoever you choose. Oh no no fine. no no no. no. I mean, it was I want Demonis Sabonis. And it was almost the opposite. It was almost like, okay, going to Orlando or to Toronto or whoever. It's like, I don't, I obviously yeah. I care who I get, but just make sure that it, we, that Demonis Sabonis is on the board. And that's, that's yeah. who I want. And if you did the redraft of that draft, I mean, Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram, one and two, argue whoever you want there. It's, they're probably still one and two. And then, you start discussing Sabonis because you have Jalen Brown, you have Buddy Heald, you have Jamal Murray, and Sabonis. And to me, those are the guys. Oh, and Pascal Siakam, obviously, 27 is probably the third pick. Yeah, Pascal is is number three. And that is another pick where the value is enormous. Huge. Uh, um, But yeah, right after. I mean, uh, I would probably toss a coin between him and Jalen Brown. Probably Jalen is more suited for today's NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It would be context related. I mean, I I try to think if 
for Boston, a trade between Sabonis and Jalen Brown made sense. And I think it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, they tried. They, they went a different route because they really liked the core and they and they probably go along very well. And Jalen was fine being not the primary scorer. And this speaks highly of him, by the way. So I think that between them, the, the added value they provide for a team, it's pretty, pretty similar. And you have to put it into context. And I think that Thomas as a starting center with a good defender alongside him can make you wonder because like, he's a great, great player, great screener, great uh, end-off player. He's smart. He is he can be like a, a very efficient, efficient post player. He always has been. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I think that getting him at 11 was huge value. And and you can say that Jalen Brown was okay value at number three because you get a borderline all-star mm-hmm. or all-star maybe in the future. And so this is what you should get there. But drafting kind of the same player at 11 or with Pascal Siakam at 24, was it 24? 27. 27. I mean, that's that's that is just insane. <laughs> that is <laughs> franchise changing. And yeah. again, I mean, you get those players sometimes. Mm-hmm. You get those picks that really work out for you. Nikola Jokic is another one. Mm-hmm. Insane value. Manu Ginobili. There are plenty. And that's why Ibaka makes a lot of sense. And it's, to me, it was toe-to-toe with Russell Westbrook, but in the end, I mean, Westbrook was a totally different level of player and yeah. worth of the best pick in the Presti era. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, who's your number? Who's your number five? Oh, it's Sabonis. Number four was Durant. Oh, four is Durant. Five. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, it's okay if I bump Durant out of my top five, just because it was. So, I mean, the more I, I think about it, the more I'm just like, this is. It was just such. I mean, he, it was like basically not working. You don't have to work for that one. Yeah, but but you still have, you, you can still make a mess out of it. Imagine if you pick. But the, that would be that two. would be working though. You'd have to work really hard to convince yourself. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you, you can bump him outside. Would you? Would you put Adams in? Stevens, my number five. Yeah, and I probably yeah, have Kevin outside of that, just because it was such a. I mean. Everybody knew after Greg Oden was taken. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Everybody. Not everybody knew after Michael Carter Williams went 11, who was going to go 12. Not everybody knew that. I was sitting yeah. on my couch hoping the Thunder would take Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah, another all like a high school sensation that. After like a borderline production production at UCLA went, yep, very OJ Mayo like, and OJ yeah. was better as a pro than Shabazz was, but still very yeah, that was a very good comp. And obviously Giannis is there at fifteen, and and so does Gobert. And Rudy I mean, Gobert I remember is there. OKC was mm-hmm. torn between Olenek, Adams, and Gobert. Mm-hmm. I mean. Or at least this is what I remember. It, it is not sourced. It's just stuff that I read um, at the time. And yeah, I mean, Adams is not Gobert. Uh, he's clearly better than Linux and probably better than a lot of players that were 
like after uh, aside for Yanis and and Rudy, he's clearly the best player out there. And if you do a redraft, you probably draft him five spot higher, at least. Oh, in the top six. five, right? I mean, it's Oladipo and Giannis and Gobert, and then probably. I mean, I think you take CJ McCollum next, and then yeah. I think it's probably Adams. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, he's a fifth pick in the draft, and you get him at twelve. I mean, the yeah. value. I mean, the value there was tremendous, and I think we we forget how crucial he was to the 2016 run and how good he was. And then since then, he's been like varying levels of disappointing in some ways and had great, you know, spurts and then disappointing spurts. And, you know, ultimately he's just been a really solid player. That's been very helpful to this franchise in so many ways. And a, a solid starter. If you get a starter at 12, that's a big deal because he's on the higher hands of starters. He's a top 15 center in the league for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that if Steven Adams signs a uh, 18 million per year contract, the perception of him changes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you just look at the value the on-court value, I mean, I, I have it right like behind Sabonis. It, it's really a toss up. Yeah. And um, I think that if, if Adams goes to Boston uh, in the summer, like last summer, if he went to Boston, he could be an all-star. <laughs> he could really be. I mean, and Boston is not the, the focal point of the, uh, he would probably not be the focal point of the offense, but he could be a great partner for, for Campbell Walker. And and maybe he puts up, I don't know, 15, 12. And in the East, this is all-star worthy. And, and the whole conversation flips between him and Zabonis. So it, it was really a toss-up. And I don't mind having him above Sabonis or the other way around. It's mm-hmm. I, I have him way high. I have him like a little bit higher than, than than Reggie because I think that Reggie is a below average starter that causes a lot of caused a lot of problems for OKC, whereas Adams didn't. It was mm-hmm. always a plus value, and you cannot say the same for Reggie. Reggie had a very good year, um, an okay one uh, in 2011, 2012, a very good one in. in like two good ones and then it was really detrimental for for okc so i mean that's why i don't have it uh don't have him ahead of either items or sabonis Mm -hmm. i get that reggie also in that time that reggie was great he didn't leave anything on the table and i feel like the the feeling with adams is that he's leaving stuff on the table because that's just his personality is yeah let me maximize everybody around me. I'm not going to maximize myself. I'm going to maximize everybody around me. And I'm and he leaves stuff on the table all the time because of that. I mean, the dude could put up 18 and 12. I'm convinced oh, yeah. he could do that. But he yeah. never will. He never will. Who knows? Maybe also, next year is the year. I'm also waiting for him to shoot threes. I still think that's coming. Yeah. Obviously, he shot and made one in preseason. But I think it will... I think there'll be some real life. Steve Adams threes. Okay, we're going to let you go, McKelly. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Be sure to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you've been listening to us throughout all of the uh, COVID pandemic, we're continuing to produce as much content as we can for you guys. It would mean a lot to us if you would take the time. To do that, if you have the Purple Podcast app, 
Just click it, search down to dunk, hit five stars. That's all you have to do. If you leave a message, I will read it. I've read all of them and I appreciate all of them. So if you do that for us, it would mean a ton. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys again later on this week. 